Been a weird year. It got even weirder. Someone sent me this video, Aid Kali 12, and it sounds like an earthquake at sea. Take a look. Tell me what you think. My vote is for underwater kaiju, given this year. Underwater kaiju or overhead UFO. That's kind of scary. Good thing uh, nothing happened with those guys. You can stop this over here. we got a big show today. we got Freight Waves' Rachel Premack. She's going to talk about the ecological disaster caused by that Norfolk Southern derailment over in Ohio. It's a bad scene over there. She's also going to talk about what bubble wrap and beer have to say about the economy. Right Load, they're trying to reinvent logistics with a broker-free load board. Their founder and CEO, Matthew Kane's here. We're going to find out how they intend on doing that. Also, we might get into uh, some sweet truck wraps. I wonder how do they perform those. Um, not every driver loves seeing the all-seeing eye of the dash cam, but J.J. Keller's Rick Malcho is here to talk about why they're good, how they're protecting drivers and carriers against nuclear verdicts. And then we got back the truck up super trucker. He's showing up to talk about uh, best Valentine's Day gifts for truckers, Zook's autonomous cars getting approval in California, hazmat spills, cutting in line at the receiver, and dumb truck stunts, many of which I'm sure he's participated in. But let me get you to the ad read here, and then we'll jump over to Rachel. You may think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in the past decades, uh, they've evolved to become a global transportation management leader, generating nearly $3 billion in annual revenue by providing supply chain solutions for Fortune 500 companies shipping between Asia, Europe, and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth, they are still the experts when it comes to creating customized solutions to fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out how your business can benefit from AIT's logistics pros at AIT Worldwide. Dot com. And now with me, it is FreightWaves Editorial Director, Rachel Premack. Rachel, happy Wednesday to you. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's, um, this year just keeps getting worse and worse, right? I mean, last year we yeah. kind of had a, yeah. a light topic. We were just talking about the humble box, and this has escalated to what has gone on in Ohio with this <laughs> derailment. What is the current state of things there? If you go online, you see people talking nonstop. They say, hey, nobody's covering this incident. It's this huge disaster. More information is coming out. You just put out a new article. What is happening? Yeah, so right now, uh, uh, actually, February 3rd, uh, Norfolk Southern had a 150 car train derail uh, near the Ohio village of East Palestine. Uh, about 5,000 uh, people live there. And yeah, there was a, uh, this, this train was hauling uh, hazardous chemicals, most, uh, most prominently vinyl chloride, which is uh, used to make plastics and packaging products. Uh, Shortly after uh, Norfolk Southern had a controlled burn of those chemicals, so there wasn't a dangerous explosion, but the controlled burn 
as you can see in this video, was also something that uh, raised a lot of flags for local residents. And, um, you know, it, it's been it's been more than 10 days uh, and residents were told on February 8th that they could return to their homes. Uh, and the Environmental Protection Agency says, you know, there is nothing, they haven't found anything hazardous in the air that could be linked to uh, this controlled burn and this derailment. However, uh, they're still testing the water and local residents are saying uh, that they've been having headaches, uh, their it hurts their eyes. They've been having a persistent cough. Um, others Rachel, have even reported that their fish and chickens have died. Rachel, we go on and on about the environment and environmental protection, and then we just have black. How long was that black cloud burning for? I don't know the exact time, but they were they were allowed to return to their homes February eighth. I believe that is when the controlled burn ended. So it's it's this weird juxtaposition between what the EPA says, you know, it's okay to go back, it's okay to breathe the air, uh, but residents are really concerned about what is what is happening. And uh, this could also spread outside of uh, this one Ohio town. I mean, uh, this, this derailment happened pretty close to uh, Cleveland, to Pittsburgh, to a few, to Youngstown, a few other metropolitan areas. So it's definitely we don't know exactly what are the long term health risks of this, but it's if I were a local resident, I would I would certainly be concerned just based off the pictures. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously shared. you saw that cloud from the airplane. It's 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 massive. You know, when I was a kid, they'd go on and on about a hole in the ozone layer. You see this giant black cloud. I mean, we just had Turkey on fire too, right? That port over there was was like burning madness. Yeah. It's it's so sad to see all this. We're seeing a lot of people who yeah. want answers about this thing. A lot of people are yelling about it. I've heard PSR get blamed. You've heard Biden get blamed. Mm -hmm. You've heard Pete get blamed. Um, what is to blame here? Is it a lax in regulations? We just had this big dispute we we're leading up until Christmas, right? Is the world going to end because rail's going on strike? These rail workers, they want these safety conditions. There's been this lobby to put these brakes on the trains, I've heard, but then the brakes never got put on the trains. What, who's to blame when we unwind all this? Yeah, so the NTSB, which investigates these accidents and comes up with some sort of reasons for the for the for the for the collision and for the derailment, they won't have an answer for this, like a detailed answer for this for the next probably the next year or two is how long it takes to put together these reports. Um, but you know, there there's there's not really any option but to haul hazardous chemicals via rail. It's 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 not cost effective to do it via truck. You can do pipeline, but it's that's also pretty a pretty slow process. So I think it's important to make sure that these trains are as safe as possible. Uh, we do see hundreds of derailments every year, and the rate of derailment has decreased over the past few decades, but you know, as these trains get longer and as they haul, um, you know, these these dangerous chemicals, I think it is important to try to figure out, okay, how can we make this necessary process for our industrial era as safe as possible, not just for the employees on the train, but also the people who live near these rail, near these rail lines, which is a lot of people, a lot of people live near trains. So Bank of America's Ken Hoexter, he wrote that Norfolk Southern may have to pay 40 to $50 million in a casualty charge. That's about the budget of, like, your average Netflix movie. Like, is this going yeah, yeah. to so discourage a company that made $3 billion in profits? 
So uh, I covered yesterday that uh, two banks put out, you know, analyst reports trying to figure out what will be the financial impact of this of this uh, derailment. And it doesn't seem that this is something that would really carve out or come close to carving out, uh, you know, Norfolk Southern's profits. Uh, there are several class action suits that have been filed against the railroad, but the fact that there wasn't any immediate uh, casualty as a result of this derailment, unlike other derailments, uh, it probably won't result in a major uh, a, a major expense for Norfolk Southern. Oh, great. So if you get sick and die slowly for chemicals, it's not as bad as if the train just blows up in, in front of your face. Is that what you're telling me here? Yeah, that that. Yes, yes, that is essentially the situation. And because we don't know the long term health effects, uh, it's something that I think we'll probably be hearing about this story many years down the line. If if it is come comes out that uh, there are long term health uh, adverse effects from from this derailment. Okay, well, you know, it's been a stressful year, and I talked to Donnie and recently. <laughs> Don, Donnie Gilbert, he, if you, you might know him from Freightways Now, he does a Sonar Reports, he's one of our market experts. Uh, he did a Sonar Report on here a couple weeks ago. He also runs a liquor store. He's got a family liquor store, and I said, Donnie, how are, how are sales going? And he said they're down 48% this year. You put up an article that said that uh, beer is just tanking. Uh, we actually have a chart. Can you guys show this chart here? And if you look across all categories, except for, like, below premium, everything is down. <laughs> Everything is down here, uh, including the seltzers. Below premium. Yes, yes. I think this was kind of one of the more interesting things. Seltzer, seltzer is not what it used to be. So I'm just going to talk about seltzer for a little bit because I think sure. it's interesting. And craft as well. You can see that's uh, the demand for that is way down. What's going on with seltzer and craft and a lot of these, like I guess, more like trendy brews is that or trendy products is that people have switched to other new trends, like ready to drink uh, canned cocktails is one, uh, one new trend that's getting a lot of, getting a, uh, you know, getting a lot of attention. You know, people are spending a lot on those ready to drink uh, canned cocktails, but, you know, taking a step back for beer, generally people are buying less beer than they were at this time last year. Um, they bought less beer than they did in uh, December as well. Uh, and it's, it's not a great indicator for the economy because we're seeing uh, people who are still drinking beer are actually going into these like lower, I guess they're, they're trading down categories or they're trading down the units that they buy. So people who maybe used to buy Bud Light, they're instead buying uh, natural light. So they're oh, wow. they're moving down categories. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of arguments that natural light is just better. But yeah, I've, 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 heard, I've heard some arguments that, that that's actually a good thing. But, um, you know, anyways, people are also buying a smaller amount instead of buying a 30-pack. They might buy a 12-pack. And we've also what, seen... Rachel, what is the preferred... In just single... What is the, you're uh, getting too far ahead of me here. You're getting too far ahead of me here. I'm so <laughs> curious about something. What is the preferred below premium beer? What are, what are people drinking for? Uh, like, I know there's two buck Chuck for wine. What do you get on the beer side right now? Is that that natty light? Cause the guys in the back are yelling natty light. that you're completely yeah. wrong. And they consider that top shelf in their fridge. Natty light the back, definitely... so hold on a second. Let me ask these guys in the back <laughs> since natty light, isn't it? Uh, guys, what is your preferred non-premium beer then? See if they answer. <laughs> they, they just said Natty Light. 
I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's the go-to for sure. And on Twitter, I got a lot of people responding, yeah, that's that's just that that's not an economic thing. That's just because it's better. Well, hey, what about the, the people on my team? Sales. What about what about the no alcohol team? What about those guys? I mean, I I don't drink as I can't, but there's people like there's been a big movement in the past six months of people yeah. who are just stopping drinking entirely. Yeah, so I that was something I asked um the economist from the uh beer brewers association. And he made the argument that the amount of alcohol that people drink, it stays pretty steady over one's lifetime. And uh, I heard other arguments that the alcohol industry is pretty much steady and it just grows with population. So I think there's definitely a, 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 a chunk of the population that is turning away from alcohol entirely. I've certainly drink less than I did, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I, I can definitely confidently say that. Um, but I, I, I guess we are still trying to see, like, what the no alcohol movement, how that's impacting uh, this industry broadly. I think at the same time we see fewer people drink, we also see, unfortunately, more people drink more than they used to. I've, I've heard oh. reports that, you know, fatty liver disease is becoming more common among young people, young women, and that used to be only a, a disease that we'd see in much older people. I think definitely the pandemic sparked a lot of that. I saw that happen. So that's kind of the dark side. Of Rachel, it. I saw that happen in, in real life. Um, when I used to work in the music industry, the, this British band came out, these, these girls called Miranda Sexker, and they came out to visit Hollywood. And they were like the biggest scammers. They would take anyone who didn't finish their drink on like a table. They would just walk around and they would drink anyone's unfinished beer or cocktail or anything. They weren't spending a yeah. dollar at that bar. It was exciting to see. Now, before I let you go, I got two things. to. I, I was really impressed, to be honest with you. That was pre-COVID. That was like, you know, 15 years before COVID. <laughs> um, bubble wrap. Before I let you go, let's take a look at rates right here. Is this doing anything with, with rates? We're seeing them still go. Looks downwards to me. Yeah, so the bubble wrap numbers I was looking at were more around 2022 more broadly. And looking at sealed air in particular, that's one of the they they are the they are the patent holder for bubble wrap and they're a large packaging company in other sorts of uh, sectors as well. They saw volumes drop by 6% over 2022 and in the last quarter of 2022 Volumes in protective sector specifically were down 20% in that last quarter. And that's normally their boom time, you know, that last quarter. It really shows how weak the consumer was during what should be typically the, that peak season um, at the end of, of the year. Uh, so that's another kind be. of, you know, sign. Yeah. Well, the bet, that NTI, yeah. that graphic I showed you, that was from last week. That was at 288. I actually mm -hmm. pulled it up this morning. It was 245. So a big jump. Anytime we've had like an opportunity to capture some elevation in these rates, it seems like it has just fallen yeah. out of the market time and time again. I got someone from a load board on in just a little bit. I'll be able to get to. But it's time for your stupid question of the week. And this one comes courtesy of Sal right. He Bloom. It's a thought exercise. And it says you're in an arena, Rachel Premack, with 50 hawks, mm -hmm. 10 crocodiles, three brown bears, 15 wolves, one hunter with a rifle, seven buffalo, 10,000 rats, five girls, and four lions. Pick two, two to defend you. The others attack you, and you got to survive for an hour. This is tough. So I'm definitely going to go with the hunter with yeah. a rifle for my first. They would just shoot you like that, if you didn't take them. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm out. I'm done. And plus, I think the other key part of this is like, which creature can I communicate with to say to the attack, say to the attack the other ones? Um, that's a whole other side of things that I can't even figure and think about right now. So okay. I'm actually going to pick the hawks because they've got yeah. the advantage from above. So hunter with the rifle too. and the hawks. If I can somehow communicate to the hawk, like. To help me out here. You've finally given a, a good answer on this show. I'm with you 100. percent It's it's no doubt it's the hawks and the hunter with the you got to take the yeah. hunter with the rifle. It'll just kill you if you don't. So you yeah, gotta do that. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Read Rachel's articles on FreightWaves.com and subscribe to her newsletter modes. And while you're going to FreightWaves, do that. Subscribe to the What the Truck newsletter as well. There'll be a new one out tomorrow. <laughs> take care, Rachel. All right, thanks. Take it easy. All right. Meanwhile, these are how ships give birth. It's pretty, if you can get close to that, like walk up to your TV screen or if you got mobile on, put that really close to your eyeballs. You can see the, the window panes on that when they launch these ships in the water. It's a pretty aggressive process. They actually rattle. I don't think any fell out, but you can actually see them rattle as they jump into the water. I'd love to go to one of those launches. Any out there, you do ship launches, please let me know. But in the meantime, I'm going to talk to Rick Malco, JJ Keller, industry advisor. Maybe we could use a dash cam to film uh, one of these little ship launches. How you doing today, Rick? Well, I am just doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You have you ever had the, the 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 chance, the opportunity to see a ship be put out into the wild like that? I have never had that opportunity, but I just loved your conversation with uh, with Rachel. I mean, wow, what a gamut, right? To go from train derailment to uh, to beer to what's going on with rates to uh, hawks hunters and uh, uh, you know, it's diverse. I'll tell you that much. It's well, it is diverse. You know what is diverse too? How people some some people drive their trucks. Some people don't like a dash cam at all. Some people have a truck like this guy's right here. Look at how many cameras are on this particular truck. I think I counted eleven. You have more on this truck than you have at like the autonomous trucks you've out that have out there. I've been to Torque and I think that there's more sensors. Well, and, you know, those look like they're all uh, connected, right? They look like uh, Internet uh, cameras. So, uh, you know, you can just imagine the uh, the display that's uh, that's in there, you know, to go from eight different uh, cameras, <laughs> eight different uh, views, but certainly understands the uh, the value of, uh, you know, protecting themselves on, on what's going on in and around uh, the vehicle. And, you know, that's really... Uh, the whole purpose of, of dash cams is to, you know, of course, start out with, you know, kind of the uh, forward facing uh, cameras looking at what's going on on the roadway and, uh, you know, what's what's coming up. Uh, and, and of course, it's been morphing into a lot of uh, continuing with the forward dash cam, but also uh, the driver facing uh, dash cameras. But you got to have the uh, the side cameras, the rear cameras, the angled cameras. Uh, that's a whole nother category all on its own. Yeah, you know, it looked like that particular truck where a big focus was on protecting while it was parked. But a big reason you would use dash cams, right, the interior one facing the driver, the exterior one facing the road, is to help you comply with laws, right, and reduce instances of unsafe driving behaviors. How can they help there? Well, that's exactly right. So, you know, there are no regulations that require you certainly to have a, a dash camera. Uh, but they do help both drivers and carriers operate uh, safer. Uh, you mentioned that uh, unsafe uh, driving. So there's things like, you know, texting and cell phone use. Both of those are, 
uh, prohibited uh, from speeding, uh, you know, violations, failure to obey traffic control devices, uh, you know, lane restriction violations when the vehicle's uh, moving from one lane to the other, maybe without uh, signaling or without uh, knowing uh, what's in its uh, no-go zone, not wearing a uh, seat belt, you know, maybe blowing through a, a construction zone uh, too quickly or or parking or uh, leaving the vehicle on the roadway, which can be uh, dangerous. Well, you know, there is no more remote uh, worker, certainly, than a, a truck or bus uh, driver. And, you know, how do you know what's going on in their life without having technology in order to to help them and to be an extra set of eyes, uh, if you uh, if you will? And the only way that uh, you can correct these behaviors is if you know about the behaviors, right? The the complaint call comes in and it's kind of their word against the driver's uh, word. Uh, an accident uh, occurs and it's uh, one driver's word against another's driver's word. Well, this uh, gives the, uh, the evidence and really in a lot of cases, exculpatory uh, evidence that the driver wasn't uh, at fault. They were uh, cut off by that uh, uh, four-wheeler or, uh, yep, that that uh, driver blew through a, a red light and that's why our, our vehicle struck them. So, you know, one thing I noticed about being in freight, especially for a while, is it's hard to sell any technology if a fleet doesn't need it, right? If a fleet doesn't care, it doesn't address their concerns. Fortunately, Atri puts out a top 10 concerns every year for carriers and fleets. How do dash cams and what concerns they address on there? Well, sure thing. So when I looked at uh, the Atri's, uh, you know, top 10 that they released uh, last year, I identified six different uh, areas on that top list that cameras could certainly be uh, impactful for. But really at the at the top of that list was uh, lawsuit uh, abuse and uh, the risk of having a nuclear verdict. You know, I already mentioned, uh, you know, having that dash cam to protect yourself and to uh, say, hey, no, that's not what happened. This uh, is what happened. Well, oftentimes, you know, they say the uh, the best defense is a good offense. And if I can show what actually happened, well, gee whiz, that, uh, that lawsuit uh, may not only not hit the nuclear verdict, it may not hit any verdict uh, at all. You know, one of the top concerns uh, for carriers uh, is controlling costs, especially as you were just covering, you know, the downward trend uh, with rates, right? There's only uh, two parts of the equation. You either get uh, more revenue coming uh, in the door and rates certainly help you with that, or you control your costs. Uh, certainly being involved in a uh, litigation is a cost, but also uh, there's the insurance uh, cost. So it's a top concern, top costs uh, year in, year out for carriers. How can I control costs? How can I work uh, with these uh, insurance companies to reduce my uh, costs? Well, if you can reduce your risk profile, you can reduce your uh, insurance uh, risk. The The third area that's really impactful is driver shortages and retention. And, you know, when you think about it, that may not be obvious uh, on, on the surface because, like, well, how can a camera help me retain drivers? Well, if you can uh, help that driver, one, become a better driver, and two, back the driver up when they have an accident or a complaint call, hey, that is uh, points going in your column as opposed to looking over the fence and, and uh, seeing the green on the other side of the uh, fence.
How do they make you more compliant with the FMCSA? I understand the driver side of it, but what about the FMCSA side? You said it wasn't like required by law. Well, you know, it's certainly not required by regulation. So there is no 390 point whatever saying, hey, you got to have these uh, dash cameras. But what the, uh, the the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations uh, does say or do say uh, is that you have to have safety management controls in place. Well, where is that, Rick? Uh, well, it's in Section 385.3. Well, what are safety management controls? So safety management controls are the systems, the processes, the policies and the procedures that a carrier uses to make sure their vehicles are operating both safely and compliantly reducing the chance of there being a hazardous uh, material uh, spill or an accident. And so if you can connect uh, the information that's coming in from those cameras to you know, artificial uh, intelligence, so you're only getting uh, notified when there is a, a problem, well, maybe you can do some corrective action training you know, up front, send it to the, uh, to the vehicle, and really that's a really quick way to have some return on investment with these cameras. Very, very cool. Now, one last thing. The only thing we didn't cover here was your CAT training, right? Can you, uh, can you tell me about that? Because that's another benefit of having these. We got the retention. We got the accountability, right? We understand the insurance and the brokers. But what about some training? Yep. So that, uh, that CAT training or corrective uh, action training or CAT uh, training uh, is just, okay, there's an incident. And I may not want to send that, uh, pull that driver all the way back in, into the terminal. They might be a thousand miles away, but that doesn't mean that I can just ignore what happened this morning or what happened uh, yesterday. Uh, and so, corrective action training can be just a short snippet, maybe a, a five-minute training to say, "Okay, this is uh, what happened. Uh, this is what should have happened." And this is how you can be aware of those situations uh, before they happen so you can be proactively uh, compliant and safe. Very cool. Rick, where can people learn more about dash cams with J.J. Keller? Well, you know, the best place to go is uh, certainly uh, jjkeller.com. Uh, tremendous amount of uh, information uh, on there about dash cams and how they can keep you safe and compliant. Very, very cool. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks much. Take care. All right, China, India, Vietnam, Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Mexico. AIT Worldwide Logistics has 2,000 supply chain experts in these countries and, of course, in offices across the United States. And in 2023, they're adding more locations around the world as the organization continues to expand and make it easier than ever for customers to ship between Asia, Europe, and North America if you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as you, as unique as your business. You can learn more at AITWorldwide.com. But now it's time to meet Matthew Kane. He's the CEO and founder over at RightLoad, and he uh, created the first broker-free load board. Matthew, what's up, man? Where are you sitting right now? It looks your, your environment looks nice. Oh, my living room. <laughs> <laughs> Where, you're not, are you a Philly guy? I, I thought your company's based in Philly, and I was wondering uh, how you're recovering after that Super Bowl. Listen, uh, 14 boxes of tissues later, um, several hours in the fetal position, <laughs> weeping, crying in the corner. Um, I'm doing just fine. I mean, you did, you got one with Nick Foles over uh, the Patriots a couple years ago. So at least you have that to rest your laurels on. We did indeed. We did indeed. So there, there is a little past grace there in some way, fashion or form, but, uh, 
this one was a hard one to, to lose. But look, let's be honest. The, the best team won. You know, it's, it is what it is. It's a cage match. Two go in, one comes out. Plain and simple. Well, let's say I wanted to make a load board to keep like Giants fans out. How tough would that be? Or, or maybe let's make it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more broad. Keep brokers out. How, what if I wanted to make a load board to keep brokers out? Why would that be a good idea? <laughs> well, um, well, I don't know if your your show's long enough for that. The answer to that, so we'll try to do cliff notes. Sure. You know, ten years ago uh, when I started this, I had zero knowledge of the trucking industry. None. Um, you know, I started to hear something went down to a big event down in Washington, D.C., uh, wound up talking to a whole bunch of truck drivers down there. Uh, you know, somehow they were telling me about, you know, the things, the problems, the good and the bad in the trucking industry. And the more that they told uh, that I talked to them, the the more I started thinking to myself, I think I could fix some of these problems. Um, so um, I did a little bit of research. I literally jumped in my car. I drove around the country uh, eight and a half months Went from truck stop to truck stop to truck stop. I still talk to and run into drivers that met me out there 10 years ago. Um, bought thousands of cups of coffee and half as many buffet dinners. And just asked a gajillion questions. I came back after eight and a half months and began to architect what is now right load. Interesting. Well, what is what is right load? I think we've we've kind of hinted at it, but you, you explained to me. So yes, it, it really is. It's a, it's a pretty basic thought process. Um, you know, it's a, it's a load board, much like a lot of the other load boards out there. The only difference is um, I have um, limited to direct shippers. So only the shippers themselves can post on our board. Um, the carriers themselves, there is zero brokering allowed. Uh, the system will catch in any instance, it doesn't matter. Um, they may think they're going to try to get away with it, but they're certainly not. The system will catch anyone that tries to broker a freight load through the system. Ultimately, you know, probably a lot of your uh, viewers and listeners are, won't like this statement at all, but the reality boils down to is there are only two entities that absolutely have to work together. And those two entities are the shipper and the carrier. Beyond all of that, everything else is ancillary and bolt-on add-on pieces interesting so how do you first of all how do you keep it pure how do you vet the board how do you make sure it's carriers only who are grabbing um the shippers also did you consider the name carriers only like farmers only um no actually how we came up with right load was while i was out driving around if i heard i don't know countless numbers of times where I had a driver that said, boy, if I could just get the right load this week, you know, I, I would be doing a lot better. And I heard that statement uh, so many times it just stuck and it clicked with me and I went right load it is. So yeah, there's a, probably another bunch of other great names out there, but that's the one I, <laughs> I decided. On. I like it. Well, how do you vet them though? How do you make, how do you keep these uh, brokers off? How do you, how do you make sure they're not on your board? Well, it's only we go through um, the whole process when they sign up, both shippers and carriers. Um, it's not an automatic. We it's a painstaking process on our side. There's a lot of manpower labor on our side, um, but we go through that entire process. We make sure that it is, in fact, the shipper themselves um, and that the carriers, even carriers that have uh, freight brokerages uh, within them, they have to register their trucks in the system. And if they try to, if they actually take a load and then it doesn't go into one of the, the trucks that we actually have in our system, we know that through the mobile app, um, we know that they've brokered that load outside and it's, and we'll know that instantaneously. 
So without like an army of brokers and, you know, you said it and, and people can get upset, but you're right. I mean, a lot of 3PLs, their, their real job is to just be a customer service standpoint that is booking and selling loads. I mean, they're almost like sales and marketing arms for capacity. How does your load board stay healthy, right? And, and thriving and what happens with rates when you remove that broker element? Well, you know, that's another one of those bone of contention conversations. So, um, again, not well liked and well received when we talk about this from from a lot of people in the industry. But the reality is, is, you know, the average the average out there that, that gets taken off the top from a, a freight broker is about 20 percent. It's 15 to 25 percent. It, it ranges, obviously. But around 20 percent is the norm. And I've heard a lot worse, even a lot higher numbers than that. But, you know, we look at it like this. If if a, if a, a shipper was paying a freight broker 3000 to move a load um, and they take their 20 percent off of the top, that means there's, you know, twenty two hundred, twenty three hundred dollars or so, um, you know, left over for the carrier. Our approach is why not put it on for twenty eight hundred or twenty seven fifty? So, you know, they just save the two hundred dollars or two hundred and fifty dollars and the carrier's just made another three, four hundred dollars off of that load. And, it, you know, it, it's only math. I tell everybody. You know, I love my family to death, but math is my best friend in the whole world because it never lies to me. And, you know, people like to try to not use the math because it doesn't go to their uh, to their point or to their business model. But that's really what it boils down to. It's a very, very simple, simple thing. You know, I'm not a genius over here by any stretch. This is just meat and potatoes. And it's, uh, you know, second and third grade addition, subtraction, multiplication and division here. And when you start doing that and you start the, the drivers are now making three, four, five hundred dollars off of every load, they've now got a forty, fifty thousand dollar a year raise. You start moving two just two loads a week. I mean, and that's what it boils down to. I mean, you're talking about they could throw their trailer away every year and a year and a half and go buy a brand new trailer. I mean, it's that it's that significant. And again, it's just math. Well, he, our, our founder and CEO, Craig Fuller, he tweeted just the other day, load boards are so fraught with fraud and identity theft that one of the biggest opportunities in trucking is to disrupt the load boards. Even some of the brokers that use load boards for legit load matching also post duplicates and ghost loads for price discovery. Since someone needs to create a binding load board where both parties are uh, pre-vetted and policed in 2023, it's time someone stepped up and put a stop to these egregious activities. Would you agree with that? And does right load address that? Absolutely. Um, I would agree with it wholeheartedly. And we've clearly, without question, we've addressed it. Um, you know, our solution is, is goes much further than the load board. That's why to have this conversation, it would be, you know, a fairly long one. But right now we're at the we start from the very, very beginning of when a sales rep sells the 22 uh, pallets worth of widgets to a customer. Um, all the way to the very, very end of when the carrier has made the delivery and gets paid and every step in between the whole process. So uh, under one platform, a shipper and a carrier can now work together directly together, um, completely eliminating any other entities that need to be in the middle. Again, people say, well, you're in the middle. Yes. We've built, um, you used the football analogy a few moments ago. We built the, the football stadium. And what we've done is we've invited both teams to come in and play. And that's what it boils down to. So, you know, yeah, we make a couple dollars off hot dogs and things like that. Um, you know, we have to make a dollar out of it as well. But uh, we're doing it at a much more reasonable, 
cost-effective price point for both sides, shipper and carrier. Wow, very, very, uh, very cool. You know, you also posted recently. I saw one of your trucks it was looking nice. It got a wrap on it. Are you, are you wrapping people's trucks? Yes, that's a that's a program that um, um, you know. Yes, we'll we'll wrap your truck and trailer, and by hauling the freight, we'll actually pay you back for every load that you haul through the system. So the more freight you haul, uh, the more money you make. So the average, the average single truck and trailer is going to make somewhere about 26, 2,800, you know, somewhere between 2,600 and $3,000 a year. Interesting. So you wrap it for them. And then because they're advertising for you, they get some sort of kickback. Yep. Yep. Very so cool. it gives us you- better. I mean, look, they're driving, they're driving, they're hitting our demographic. You know, they're in the truck stops, they're in the shippers, you know what I mean? They're out on the road. Um, you know, we've got uh, a, a fairly significant presence at that point with our target, target demographic. Very cool. Are you doing the wraps like at, at your own location? Are you, uh, are you like a, a truck wrap master? We have, we have um, right now we've got a total of five, and I think there's two more that are coming on um, that we've worked deals out in different areas and locations around the country. So um, ultimately, I'd like to probably get to 15 or 16 of them. But, um, you know, as you as you guys were talking a little earlier, economics are tough now. So it's tougher to get people to be uh, a little more aggressive with their pricing. So, um, you know, I've got a budget that I want to live within and uh, I, I will live within that budget. Is it tough for the carriers on your load board, the shippers being overly aggressive? You mentioned um you know, ship, shippers paid a lot over the past few years. They don't want to pay as much right now if they don't have to. Sure. And and again, like I said, this is where what right load does is we give them an immediate savings. Um, you know, shippers, everybody in this industry is looking for to save pennies, nickels and dimes. And, you know, you see people talking about you know, the dry van rate went from 210 down to, to, to 203. And people, you know, you're talking about pennies here. Right load comes to the table handing out fresh, crisp $100 bills on each one of the loads. I mean, that's what the model is built on. It's, it's built to take like a multitude of other industries. Other people have already taken the middlemen and the freight and the brokers in, in a multitude of other types of, uh, of businesses, they've taken those people out of, out of the middle. And that's all right load is. We've just taken it out. Now people can run a heck of a lot more efficiently. Uh, they can run much more cost effectively. And we've also, there's a ton more of features and benefits than just savings for the shipper and, uh, you know, more money for the carrier. There's a lot more that's in there. You know, like perfect example, we have uh, one of our partners now. Uh, we'll be able to do. Uh, we've eviscerated the, the the cost of quick pay and factoring. Factoring companies probably hate us now as well. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, uh, look, I'm one of nine kids. I'm the youngest boy. Um, I got new underwear every you know 60 to 90 days. It was just on four. There's such a butt cheeks before it ever made it to mine. I got hand me down everything. Um, you're not. No one's going. To, I'm not going to get offended because people don't like what we're doing. Um, we built something here that's going to have a fairly profound and dynamic change in the industry is from our perspective, uh, you know, we'll soon be able to pay carriers after they made their delivery within 30 minutes and there's no additional charge. That's interesting. It's, it's part of the whole program. Well, you know, you said this industry needs a makeover and I don't think you meant a truck wrap. So before I let you go, how so, how does the industry need a makeover? 
Well, you know, you, if you stop and think about it, Tim, um, your show and, and, and a million other people are out there talking about, you know, the, the trucking industry does this throughout the, the course of the year. The rates are high. The rates are low. The rates are high. Um, you know, it's, it's killing the shippers in one, one quarter. It's, it's killing the carriers in another quarter. It becomes very, very dramatic changes. And what I firmly believe that right load brings to the table is instead of these big drastic ones, I think we'll have tiny little hips as we run through the year there, you know, you're going to have your season changes, et cetera. And, and that's going to happen. But I think we're going to be able to take those significantly high peaks and much lower valleys and, and bring them a lot closer to each other without being so drastic. Um, that's just one of them. There's, you know, we could sit for, you know, for days talking about, problems that you guys already discuss on your show on a daily basis. Um, yeah. Are we going to fix them all? No, we're not. But um, two of the, the biggest things is obviously it's it's money. You know, that's what it boils down to. I hear people talk about driver shortage, Tim, all the time. Realistically, look, you put a load out there for $3,000 and nobody responds and everybody says it must be a driver shortage. But put it out there for $4,000 and three trucks show up. No, it's not. It's not a driver shortage. It's a money shortage. Sure. Okay. I've been saying this for 10 years since I got into the business because, you know, when you hear people say the industry is short 40,000 trucks, well, an intelligent person would look at that and say, well, if that's the truth, that means yesterday 40,000 loads didn't get picked up and today another 40,000 loads and tomorrow another 40,000. Now we have 120,000 loads sitting on docks somewhere across the country. Over and it's a only Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's not true. Do you know what I mean? It's not true. It's a retention basin uh, 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 problem rather for the bigger carriers. Um, and, you know, you've got guys that are going in. Yes, you got the drivers that are coming in and out of the business. Um, it's a tough business. You know, it's a very eclectic demographic of people that come from all walks of life. Um, and some people are better at it. Some people are the most amazing drivers in the world. And other guys just might not be and they might not be the greatest of business people. You know, it doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them not great at running their business properly. So you're always going to have that in this industry. Um, but by taking some of those problems that are the most prevalent problems in the industry, which I feel like we've attacked, um, we have fixed them. No ifs, ands or buts. And we're excited. We're just uh, Two weeks or so from literally going live, live, we start our, our live beta testing next week with one of our shippers and um, provided everything. We have no issues, no glitches. We've already done our, all of our internal testing. Um, it looks like by the, you know, the 28th or the 1st or the 2nd of March, we'll actually be live, live again with a full array of benefits for both sides, shipper and carrier. We're really, really excited about it. Well, very cool. A little cowbell for you and the team. It's coming up in a few weeks. In the meantime, go to rightload.com. Go match yourself with a shipper or a carrier and see how it all works. Matthew Kane, thank you so much for your time today on the show. Thank you for having me on. I much appreciate it. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Well, spoke to one Wounded Eagles fan just now. Let's talk to another one. This sucker actually spent money going to games this year. It's Super Trucker. What's up, man? How do you feel? You 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 cut off uh, Rooster's head, and now it's just you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Highlander. There can be only one. 
There could be only one. You are the back the truck up trivia champion. That does not, that's not to say yeah. that what the trivia is done for. There are much more contestants coming. There will eventually be a tournament of champions that you will have to uh, brush your knowledge up for. But uh, Bring you feeling, are you feeling good after that Super Bowl loss? Did it, did it, did it feel all right to you? Uh, what a sucky call. That, that one bad call really just kind of killed the whole momentum of the game. The one live game I went to this year was also uh, the only other game that they lost. So, <laughs> oh man, um, I'm never, I'm never, I'm never allowed back. <laughs> well, you weren't at the Super Bowl, were you? No, no, no. no. Oh, I was at, the, I was at the, uh, the the Washington the Washington game, and I got there late because of traffic. Um, the game was off to a great start. As I was going up the stairs of the stadium, you know, they had the first uh, touchdown. And then I got to the seats and everyone's like, oh, this is going to be the easiest game ever. It's, mm. you know, it's, the Wa- it's Washington. You know, they got this. And then by the time the game was over, people were in the stands like, we lost? What the hell? It's a trap game. And Washington is like the, yeah. uh, the league of trap game teams. They're, they're the top of that list. Um, they're like one of those teams that's they're like everyone thinks they suck, but they're like sneaky eight and eight a lot of time, you know, <laughs> or seven and nine. Like they got they had to get seven wins in there. You got to be careful in those division games. But, you know, you've been out on the road a lot when you were a driver and yesterday was Valentine's Day. Here's a gift that a driver got. Let's take a look. It's. Oh, they got to load that up. Well, what's the best Valentine's Day gift? You? Oh, here it comes. Morning. Let's go surprise him with his Valentine's little goodie bag I made for him. Here's his semi. Let's open it on top. Nice little garage is parked in. Yeah. They have another video on their TikTok where they're uh, cleaning that thing for the Super Bowl. What's going on here? They might have to reboot that video. Hold on. I'll let them work on that. I'll let them work on that video. But basically, she gave him, you know, some sugar-free Red Bull. She gave him some Mountain Dew. She gave him some really nice chocolate-covered strawberries and some candy and whatnot. Not like, you know, the most expensive items in the world, but something just to get you through your day, especially as a dude. As dudes, we don't really expect much. How about you? No, it takes very little. You know, a card, some chocolates, you know, thank you. Uh, I was single uh, while I was over the road. It wasn't until I got off the road, became local, and I started dating, and now I'm married. Um, so yeah, I'm home every day now. Um, but yeah, little, little things like that when you're on the road, just, just to rem- remind you of why, uh, you're on the road, you know, people back home still care about you. Stuff like that really matters. Yeah. What, what would you, uh, suggest? What would be your ideal uh, gift packet? I think she did a really good job right there. Just, just a, yeah. sm- something small doesn't take up a lot of space. Um, you know, some chocolates and, uh, she had like a weird water bottle in there. I don't, I'm not really sure about that. I think it was just like pure water. I think, you know, she already yeah. had like the Red Bull in there. She already had like a Mountain Dew. So I think maybe she like just something healthy. Yeah, just whatever. She's a girl. Whatever you dr- yeah, whatever your driver likes, you know, communication is key. What do you think about um, Landline, what they did here with their Valentines? Check out some of these ones. Those are hilarious. So I actually um, screenshot that and like one by one sent them to my wife uh, throughout the day on Facebook. <laughs> just rolling her eyes i i love this stuff this these are hilarious which one's your favorite uh definitely the uh lizard but i love you lots it's a great pun <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge sucker for puns uh, yes uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> i'll let that one i'll let that one rest right there well you know autonomous trucks we showed that truck earlier that had like a thousand cameras on it to defend itself i don't think those are actually autonomous sensors um we have another video here from from zooks can we check that one? Is that good, guys? Okay. Zooks is on the fritz. Man. You got to ride in that plus autonomous truck, right? They freak you out, these yeah, autonomous I, trucks? No, that one was basically like just really nice cruise control. Um, 
automatic lane departure. You know, I told them it needs to be a little more aggressive. I didn't like how when you pull the, the, the stick to change the lanes, it takes like a good 10 seconds before it initiates the lane change. I told him, give it, give it like a good uh, Northeastern driver mode. It needs to be a little more aggressive. But I told him the best person to drive a truck like that would be somebody with zero experience just to get the training wheels on and then put them in a different truck, you know, to get their more experience or somebody with decades of experience that just wants to ride out their sunset years. You know uh, what? So, but the here's the kind of drivers for a truck like that. But here's the problem: like the only way you drive a truck like that is if you're a safety driver, and usually you need some experience. Although you did see that one listing for sort of inexperienced safety drivers. But the whole point that they're selling these to people on was that there won't be drivers in the cab. So I don't think you're actually going to ever sell one of those safety systems. So I think it kind of puts you in one of those quandary. Like for example, the Zooks one. If they can get this video running, you can actually see it in action. But I'll tell you about it. Uh, more than two years ago, Zook started Playdeck is crash one two. Set it on fire, guys in the back. Our video playback <laughs> machine. Um, more than two years ago, Amazon subsidiary Zooks they unveiled this uh, electric autonomous truck, and it almost looked like that uh, the cruise one that I showed from from Manifest. And this is a it's kind of a people mover out there. California Department of Motor Vehicles, which is also interesting because you hear Elon talking endlessly about how far advanced the Teslas are as robo-taxis, but the actual robo-taxis you're seeing out there are by Waymo, not by Tesla. But now Zooks has this. Um, kind of interesting they're going to be able to drive these things around. However, it's only going to be able, it's like most of these stuff, geofenced, and it's only moving employees around their building in Foster City, California. Yeah, it'll be baby steps until legislation catches up. Um, they're really limited on what they can do right now. Interesting. Interesting. So wait, you got none of these playdecks? We have a, a lot of these are video ones, so we're going to have to... The whole computer in the back crashed. That's interesting. Um, mm. So I can't show you any of these ones, but there was a big hazmat acid rollover, and we saw the train. You used to move a little hazmat, did you not? Yeah, yeah. Mine was mostly explosives. Um, I didn't do any flammable or, or radioactive. Um, but this, this truck that had rolled over, it was carrying nitric acid. Um, pretty dangerous stuff. It was also... There was, there was a weight limit... Uh, in effect for 10,000 pound and under loads. So they shouldn't have even been on the, the road in the first place. And unfortunately the driver did pass away in that situation. Oh, he, the one where, what was this nitric acid that fell over? Where was this in Arizona, right? Yeah. Yeah. On I 10, the winds can get pretty high out there. I, I have unfortunately been across I 40 many times with like, the winds being super crazy. I've never had to shut down because of the winds. Um, but I guess they're taking it a little more serious now and those are shut down any kind of weight restrictions um, because of, you know, situations like this. Interesting. So you mentioned wind there, how much, when you were pulling these loads, how was it very imperative that you guys stayed on the ball on weather and didn't go out in, in the wrong type of oh, yeah. wind or ice or anything yep. to that effect? Yeah, because, you know, you never want to be caught. Most of the loads you're carrying are very light in, in situations like that. So you know, the wind is like the, the biggest one, snow, ice, rain, you just go slow. You know, you take your time, you'd be as safe as you can, but wind, you could be parked. And if you're not facing the right direction, you know, the wind will tip you over. So you constantly got to be vigilant, check your weather apps on your phone, uh, be in constant communication with your dispatchers and your satellite tracking and let them know, Hey, this is what's going on. And I've never had any situation hauling that kind of freight where they were like, no, you really got to get going. They're, they're, they're really looking for you. It's, it's always don't feel safe. I'm parking. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason that truck should have been moving. Interesting. You know, I wish we had the the video. We're probably not going to get Playdeck back up in time. But as you can see, it's on its side. And like the, the this big cloud of um, chemicals is radiating. Yeah, pretty, radiating pretty ominous footage. 
What is the, um, so I don't have the video to play, but what is the dumbest truck stunt you and your buddies have done? The one I had here was a guy jumping from a tire to the other side and his, his friend is telling him, he's like, look, dude, you're 55 years old, 220 pounds. You're going to land crotch legged across this, this tire. And of course the guy jumps and he does. What about you guys? So what about you in the chili house? Um, when I would, I don't know if I should even say who it was for, but when I was a local driver, anytime we got, um, rain that turned into ice overnight the yard would get really slick and so if you're in a uh, if you're just bobtailing through the the lot you know you, you can do some pretty cool donuts uh, in the truck doing that there's another but video that's 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 as, that's as, as far as we'd ever go nothing nothing out of control nothing nothing on the streets too now there's another video going around on back the truck up social media and it's of a guy fired for touching his cell phone tell me about that policy uh too stringent what happened in the video yeah, they were a t- they were a tanker company, um, you know, hauling all kinds of different freight, hazmat, and otherwise. But a lot of mega carriers now are instituting like a zero tolerance policy. Uh, you can't even touch your phone; everything's hands free, not even uh, Bluetooth headset. And it's all CYA. You know, they're every- they're doing everything they can to avoid uh, nuclear verdicts these days. And you know, drivers are going to be the ones caught in the crossfire once you get caught. Interesting. What? Hey, what? By the way, when I was talking to Right Load, what did you think about the idea of making some money with a wrap on your truck? Easy money. Um, you see, you take an Uber driver. You take you take enough Uber rides. You're going to see one, you know, with a weird wrap on their car. They do everything that they can to squeeze as as much money as they can out of their, out of their cars. And if it's your truck and you think it looks like a cool paint job, you know, it, it has the added benefit of one protecting the paint job. And if it's a product you like and it looks cool enough, you know, sure, why not? Yeah. Is, well, is there any like product that you, you definitely wouldn't want on the side of your truck? Escort services, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> you, well, Elon is allowing. Uh, I just read today that Elon is going to start allowing marijuana advertising um, on Twitter in mm. states where it's legal. Although on a semi truck, that like remember those guys in Ohio, they only had hemp and they got they got nailed. So. I would be careful yeah. with the uh, – although, you know, when I, was in, when I was in Vegas, there were, like, so many of the cabs there were wrapped for, like, the different recreational dispensaries. A lot of that, a lot of that weed money is being poured into advertising. Yeah, and you – I think it was you that retweeted um, a carrier a while back in, I think, Colorado. They use Sprinter vans for a lot of their deliveries. And I asked them, you know, do you guys use semis at all? Is, is yeah. there anything that preventing you from using semis? And basically they were like, we just don't haul enough volume for – semis right like that I, as far as i know i don't know of any semis right now hauling weed legally through the u.s right now well that was a uh, colin land force that uh with yeah. his group yeah it's, it's a bunch of troubles because of the whole intra state thing maybe you should send the 18 year olds to go do that you know on more lenient behavior all right so you you have a new podcast out you interviewed snorlax yep. snorlord snorlord snorlax is from pokemon we, I was kind of eye rolling at the name, but he explained it to us. Um, he is in a death metal band called uh, Apnea, oh. and uh, he has a reputation for being a, a prolific snorer. So the name is perfect. Um, impressive beard, impressive resume. The guy was really cool talking to. Um, uh, he started off as a driver to make a carrier just like us, worked his way up to being an owner operator. Now he's a broker. So if you want to learn how to do that, by all means, listen to the conversation. He'll walk you through it step by step. Death metal, trucking. And broker training. I love it. I'll have to have them on to play it forward and play it track. Hey, go find Super Trucker on social media. Look up at Super Trucker on Twitter. Look up at Back the Truck on Twitter for social media. Look up their podcasts wherever you get 
podcast from. Look up What the Truck while you're there. Download the Freightways CF. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Tuna. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Subscribe to the newsletter, freightways.com slash W-T-T. Take care and don't be a stranger.